How many of you believe that the Lord is restoring true worship in the earth? I hope you believe that. He says in the last days, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. And I think one of the main evidences of that is the new song that's coming forth in the earth. The new song of the Lord. And so this afternoon, we're going to be talking about the new song and, and just songwriting and the different uh, aspects of that. It's not a one, two, three. This is how you write a song, although some of that may come forth. We're really blessed to have a panel here of just a very distinguished group of psalmists, worship leaders, worship pastors, songwriters. And uh, I'll just uh, mention their names for the sake of the recording. We have uh, Morris Chapman. Brother Morris Chapman's here. And uh, Brother Scott Underwood. Uh, let's see, Brother Kent Booth. Hello. And Brother Clarence, I just met you, and I'm sorry about your last name. Grant. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Brother Clarence Grant. All right. And, and our host uh, for this conference is Brother Shake Anderson. And is, is anyone else going to join us, Shake? Is this, is this our group? This is it. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to ask some questions, and, and just really what we want to hear is your heart, gentlemen. Uh, you know, we... We, we don't we don't want to get into a, you know, a how to, although, as we said, there may be that. But there's no how to. Right. Right. <laughs> as such. Uh, and so, you know, we know that Jesus said that a wise steward brings forth from his storehouse treasures old and new. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've got some wise stewards here that have really uh, fleshed out the dreams of God and, and written some of his uh most intimate thoughts, things on his heart, and put them to music. And so, if it's okay, I'd like to begin with uh, with Brother Morris, and just ask you, sir, just yeah, if you just kind of des- describe the process, maybe share a story of a song that the Lord gave you, and just kind of take us through that process, or just whatever the Lord gives you. But well, what's that process like from from the birth? Of a new song to the, the uh, process of a song. Um, I didn't even know I was a songwriter. I didn't only like to hear my own voice. <laughs> um, I was a janitor in the school district for about 17 years, and the students would hear me sing in the hallways, pushing a broom, and they told me I was a singer. Um, I was in the Church of God in Christ. Kojic. <laughs> and one of the church mothers, you know, I'm talking about anybody old school, uh, liked a song by James Cleveland called The Love of God back in the day. Uh, remember that old song about James Cleveland? And well, I was singing at Miss Sylvia Brown's house, another church mother, on their piano at the house, and she yelled out, he can sing it. And so in front of the whole congregation, so I went to the piano out of obedience, and I sang it for Mother Donna. And... I was in awe of what God did in the congregation. People were in, 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 in the black church. Sorry for, the, sorry for that term, black church, but that's what they call them today. But uh, the people start to shout. And I was surprised by their response. So that was the beginning of me knowing that I was supposed to be in music. Uh, I was already playing piano. But the first songs were written when I was still a custodian. I didn't even know. My argument with God was I'm coming out of a cultural background and that it was a whole new sound. I can go to the piano and, and show you real quick, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I can run back here real fast. 
most of everything that I played in that day sounded like this. I've got a woman way across town. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what see that we grew up on a sound, and that's the sound of what blues and yeah. gospel, and so that was my style for years, years, years. But all of a sudden, I got in trouble with the church I was playing for when I did this song, Break My When I began to sing, make different from to this. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. New sound to me. Mm-hmm. That was the birth of the praise and worship ministry in my heart. That mm-hmm. song. Wow. And I began to write from that, from just from that, from that, from that, from that mode. Mm-hmm. And I could hear music coming. That was a seed. I heard that on Andre Crouch's record, mm-hmm. live at Carnegie Hall. Yes, Fell in love with it. So Andre Crouch was one of my early influences, and Andre Crouch, as you know, is one of the legendary writers of our time. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andre Crouch was probably the biggest inspiration for me as a writer moving into praise and worship. He was the pioneer before me, for them calling me a pioneer. Mm-hmm. So that was my first experience with writing, and my first songs had no faith in them at all. Thank God for the word. They were like pity party songs. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and get me out of this mess, God. I'm in trouble. I'm soon I will be done with the trouble of this world. You know, I mean, mournful stuff. I thought Testimony I songs. Yeah. Real? <laughs> For real. Okay, most of the early songs were my pity party songs. Had no faith at all in them. Anyway, God sovereignly lined me up with people of faith, like the other box. Um, Tammy Faye Baker at PTL recorded some of the first songs that I would, that I would, I call myself a song receiver because I actually dropped out of school. Am I taking too much time? I dropped out of school in 10th grade because I was bored with poetry. And here I am, go figure God out. Here I'm receiving songs that are, that rhyme. But yet in, in high school, um, it was almost like a taboo to be in the arts if you were from my culture. And so I hid out in church. That's how I learned to play. I would hide out in church after school. So I would go up to, this, to, to the church, and I found a way to get into the church. And I didn't break in, but I left the church open so I could get in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they had this window that would flip like this, and, and with a latch in the middle, and you would flip it over like that, and you'd yeah. crawl in like this and flip it back up. And so I left the latch on the inside unlocked all the time. It was in the basement. So I would do that and flip it up, and I would go into the church. And I would stand there for hours. I couldn't play. But I just, I think God got tired of the noise and says, he wants it, give it to him, you know. So I learned to play in church. Um, I started writing at the age of 39, 38, and God released me into full-time ministry at the age of 40. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Bethlehem Morning was written after the age of 40. All the songs that are prominent were written after the age of 40. Anybody over 40? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that. You're just getting started. Yeah. Okay, let somebody just talk. Okay. Amen. I'll There's a lot in what wow. you just shared, brother. We appreciate just your life and the wealth. Uh, amen. Let's give honor where honor is due. I'd like to, uh, to ask Brother Scott Underwood, maybe there's an example of, of the songwriting process or an anecdote or a story maybe that you'd like to share with us. Well, uh, Take My Life is one that came very quickly. And, and most of the songs... Uh, I, I don't do a lot of rewrites, and I know I have a few good friends that um, do a lot of rewrites. 
I just didn't have the patience for that. When I, if I did do rewrites, it was mainly in my head before I'd actually write the song down, or I would kind of spin it around and around and around before I'd, I'd write it down. But Take My Life was one where I, I really like, Morris, what you said about being a song receiver, because that was totally a song that I received. We were at a men's retreat with our church, and uh, a good friend of mine there is an avid fisherman. And I, I fished when I was a little kid, but I never really had a chance to after that. But anyways, he wanted to take me to the lake. It was kind of a lull in things. And so he also brought his guitar along. And I'm not one that'll that'll pick up a guitar and play it around a campfire or anything. I just um, a bit shy that way. So um, he brought that along with him and a couple of fishing poles. So we threw our lines in. Nothing was happening, and and um, I got bored real quick. So I just reeled it in. And I I sat down and picked up his guitar while he's still fishing. And really within five minutes, I just this chord progression came for. So take my life, and actually they came almost simultaneously. And for me, take my heart and transform it. And I thought, surely that combination has been done before because it fits so well. That you know that had to have been written before, because uh, you know it just flowed together. But it hadn't. And really, within five minutes, I had that and the and holiness. I want to say five minutes. It may have been five or ten, but it was just within that sitting. And I said, hey, John, check this out. And, um, of course, and we led it with worship that night. Um, I never would have dreamed that, uh, that it, you know, it traveled the way it traveled. It, but, um, but that's how quickly that had come. And I know that there's other verses that have been tacked on. I mean, I, I just did... Uh, Holiness and faithfulness and righteousness, because I, I felt those were things those were things that I knew the Lord wanted in me, and of course I wanted those things, and so that's uh, that's how that came about. Uh, that song, another song, you are in control. Uh, another one where I just received it. I had gotten in a habit of really well a habit I always look forward to, and that was when we put our kids to bed. I'd bring my guitar in and, and sing for them, at least the two girls. My son, after a while, asked me to stop. <laughs> was, he's our, he was our youngest. And I thought, what's the – come on, son. <laughs> but, um, but the two girls, I would uh, – they shared a room, and so I would, I would sing them to sleep and uh, just had the guitar in this detuned mode. And as, those of you that play an instrument, I mean, you, you, you find a chord that sounds good or different – that can just open doors of um, creativity, mm-hmm. just a different sound. In fact, even a, a, a different guitar. I mean, you could play some chords on one guitar and have the sound, and things come. You try to play them on a different guitar, it's not the same. Right. And if, if, I mean, if I don't record it or, or write it down, obviously I'll lose it. But in that particular evening, uh, the those words just came to me obviously i mean i i read my bible i I have a year bible so i make sure that uh i read each it's um a new king james version and it has you know the old testament a new testament psalm and proverb for each day so by the end of the year you've read through the whole bible and i've been doing that now for 26 years so it helped to have that that scripture foundation you know just the yeah just the uh the nuggets there, so you know that you get those concepts of God into your being. So when those chords would come, singing them to sleep, 
uh, it just seemed that, the, I mean, I got this, this rhythm. It seemed like the rhythm and this, the melodies would come on the guitar. Those were very important to me, having a rhythm um, that would come with the, with, the, with the melody. And then I would just uh, kind of wait for, for the words. Sometimes it just, I would just sing what felt right or what felt should go with that rhythm. And I think in this one here was, I'm pretty sure just you are in control were the first words that came out. And I believe it, it may have taken a, a week or two to, uh, to piece the rest of the parts together. And the way that I pieced those together wasn't just by working it out. It was just going through the course of my day, um, singing it. You know, when it, if I was at work, if I was at my desk, at that point I was working for Vineyard Music Group, but I wasn't doing anything uh, as far as playing. I was um, actually I was in charge of the uh, uh, of all the song submissions, which was an interesting job. But uh, if I would be walking somewhere, just the song would be in my mind, and, and so I'd be working it out. It was almost like a math problem in some ways. You know, you want to you want to find the words to say what you want to say, but that fits the rhythm. I mean, that's to me is is why I admire certain songwriters so much because they can beautifully craft a song, they can explain it, but they use certain words that have to not only to carry a powerful meaning, but that fit the syncopation of the song. And that's a that's a real gifting and, and can make for a really powerful song. So sometimes it doesn't come right away. So I, I just had it would just spin in my head for a while. I mean I write down little ideas every now and again, but uh so many times we've heard just it's an overflow of what's going on in your daily life, isn't it? It's a natural overflow of what the Lord's doing, in your, you know, whether it's playing with your, your kids at night or whatever. Uh, that's good. That's some rich, rich wisdom you're sharing with us. Uh, Brother uh, Clarence, maybe you have a, know, a personal story or is there a song story that you'd like to share with us? Something along those lines? I think the giver, the giver of all songs, of course, would be God. And uh, Bishop uses, Bishop Gardington says this phrase. He says, some things are better caught than taught. And there, mm. and there are times when um, um, God will allow you to catch something. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're just in a wonderful moment. You could be in a wonderful moment of worship. Um, it could, you could be in a disastrous moment of life. Yeah. Either way, God can give you something. Mm. Um, from my little bit of study about songs, some of the most powerful songs that have ever been written, and I'm thinking of a hymn like um, It Is Well With My Soul, was written, the author wrote it at a time when he lost his four daughters at sea. So you hear this colorful language like, you know, sea billows roll. You hear all this colorful language about the sea. And I think about how powerful that particular hymn is, but it was birthed out of pain. So sometimes when... Um, you, you meet, uh, there's a friend of mine, her name is Denise Graves, and she, she always says that, um, you know, she always had this desire to write uh, a song that would just go all around the world, but uh, the Lord would always ask her a question, are you willing to pay the price? Mm. So sometimes for, for a song, uh, there is a price that has to be paid. Mm. And uh, for mm. songs that are reaching all over the earth, songs that are in the, from that, songs that are heaven to earth songs, which are the kind of songs that when you hear them, you know they came from heaven, mm -hmm. they move, and they move the heaven in you. Um, the vessel who was used to write that song um, more than likely has a story. There's always a story behind the song. Mm -hmm. And so uh, very careful in praying 
Lord, give me a song that the world Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know what kind of season. I'm getting ready. I'm asking the Lord to bring me into a season. That, mm, uh, that, that's uh, good. And that's out good. of that season, it's sort of like the, um, um, the, the, the grapes that are turned into wine. How does a grape go and how does a grape turn into wine? <laughs> It gets crushed. Yeah. It gets crushed. So sometimes you're in, you're asking the Lord just to crush you. Songwriters are crushed. Yeah. Wow. I don't know who wrote the song, but you you remember the song? Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Now what's the chorus of that? Use me, hold me, mold me, make me, hold me. Yeah. Okay. It's the crushing of your grapes. Okay, <laughs> that's going to produce this wonderful sweet wine. That wow. is, so I think um, uh, when, when we're, we're talking about songs, and, and, and of course it's wonderful. It's wonderful that we could have an opportunity to, to craft the song in verse and chorus, and let's put a vamp here, and let's let's play the seven chord here and all that. But um, when God gives a song, it's a lot more deeper than just that. Yeah, um, and, and, and God's desire to give a song to us. And, of course, the song is our testimony. I mean, in, in, in Exodus 15, it talks about that. It talks about when the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt. They start singing, you know, the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. They're rejoicing, you know, and so forth like that. And, of course... As you move to the next chapter, they obviously lost their song because they started to talk about, mm. man, we, we should have stayed in Egypt. This, we would have been better off in yeah. Egypt than this. Yeah. So they started, singing, they started singing another song. <laughs> so your, your song is based upon your experience. Uh, whatever the experience, um, you're obviously facing an experience right now. Uh, if you're open to the Holy Spirit, God in that moment can give you something. Uh, I, I know one thing about God. He's always speaking. And, 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 of course, in the Bible, it says that God not only speaks, but he sings. He sings over us. So, obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got to be a great songwriter. He's got <laughs> to have a great hook, whatever the hook is. He's always singing. He's always speaking to us. And, and when you read the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, David, a lot of times, will say, to the great musician. And it's capital G, capital M. <laughs> mm. Uh, and he's, he's not talking about Dizzy Gillespie. Um, <laughs> he's not talking about Wynton Marsalis or, no. or even Andre Crouch. I mean, the great musician is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I believe that as Thank we you. are connected with the Holy Spirit, he's going he's gonna to give us songs. Uh, 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 it, it could be a song for our season. It could be a song for a future season. Uh, your song could be your own song. There's times in my own private life in my own uh, quiet time with the Lord. I'm in my own studio and I'm just playing and singing. And I'm singing songs to the Lord. Uh, but they may not necessarily be songs that you may want to publish. Mm. You know, <laughs> uh, but there are songs that we may, that we may uh, uh, be given to, to write that are songs for nations. And, and, uh, and, and, and that's, just, that's so wonderful. The reason why we write songs is because we get to reiterate our testimony. We get to present it. We get to reiterate our testimony. And, of course, a lot of songs today, especially in, in worship, a lot of the songs you're singing are, um, are prayers. You know? So um, I think Martin, Martin Luther said, when we sing, we pray tri- twice. So there's times, when we, there's times when we're actually, you're singing this song because it has a wonderful melody, has a good rhythmic feel, and you're singing, I'm yours, Lord, everything. And then the Lord is saying, Oh, that's a wonderful prayer you're praying. <laughs> so you're saying that, uh, that, uh, that, 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 I, that you belong to me. So I'm going to just set circumstances in your life 
to bring you into a new place of dependence yeah, upon me. Words yeah. 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 It's word. See, God is, God is kind of sneaky about that. Right. He, loves to, he, he loves to take words. He just takes your song. Cause you're, 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 you're gyrating. <laughs> you're moving with the music, and you're just grooving into it, and not even knowing that you're praying a sacred prayer to mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, God is, and God takes your word seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it Proverbs Amen. 18 says that death and life are in the power of, of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you're, you're, so right now you're bearing the fruit of, of, you're bearing the fruit of even a lot of songs you've sung over the years. Wow. So just take a take a look at those songs. So when you're writing a song, you, you want to be really careful. Of course, one thing I think uh, my brother shared was the fact of the of the whole idea of uh, biblical accuracy. That's so very yeah. important because naturally um, the songs that you hear. I'm, I'm sure for me, I'm getting ready to turn 56, so I know that there were songs in the 70s that shaped the culture. You know, there are songs in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s that are shaping cultures. People, people, the styles of clothes and, and, and the culture in general fall behind a lot of the songs. And sometimes even as Christians, we have to be careful because we can write a song that sounds good, but it's not scripturally solvent. Right. So right. I think, uh, and so, mm. so and it's so important to be biblically based, to really uh, just have a, uh, you know, the, that whole idea of studying, you know, to show yourself approved, knowing the word of God, so you can communicate. So if you're communicating through a song, you want to make sure it has some bi- biblical basis. Yeah. It's so easy to become extra biblical. Um, there was a song out years ago that said, uh, I won't say who the author is, but there was a song out years ago, years ago in the body of Christ where, where the line, there's a line in it that says, it talks about Jesus. If he had it to do all over again, he'd do it just for me because he loves me. That sounds good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Jesus already did it. Now, according to the book of, uh, I'm just going by the book of Hebrews here, okay? He did it once and for all. When he died, he did it once and for all. So he's not willing to do it all over again just for you. It's already, it's already, it's already a done deal, okay? It's already, it's already done. Jesus is not going to, is not going to get on the cross the second time just because he loves you. He did it the first time because he loved you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's important for us to have uh, a sense of accuracy in our writing, too. And the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is, is, whatever the Holy Spirit's going to give you, it's going to line up with the word. Well, my word is on here. It's going to line up with the <laughs> word, right? The Holy Spirit's not going to, it's not going to, the Holy Spirit's not going to go out and tell you to uh, drink, uh, Drink a ton of whiskey and, and uh, fool around with your wife's neighbor. That, that's mm-hmm. that's totally against scripture. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to tell you to, to write something in a song mm-hmm. that doesn't cor- corroborate with his word. If I could just kind of piggyback, I mean, there's some there's some wonderful stuff in there that you've mentioned as, as a worship leader. Just the, if I could um, bring this up, and that is when selecting songs, you want to be very careful. Uh, the songs you select that you do vet those lyrics and, and and it helps to have that scripture and you have to have that in you because you don't want to be singing things that you don't that you know are not true or not scripturally based and that, that's very dangerous and uh and i know that i there's songs that i have to there's quite a few that i have to sit back on i'm going to pass and singing this one i mean even when i'm in the congregation because you know how did this get by the some of these lyrics are not accurate and and uh so it's a bit scary sometimes. You've got to be very careful. But it's also very rich when we do that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Can I, uh, teacher, can I ask a question? <laughs> I, um, I spoke with Tim Hughes, uh, who wrote uh, Here I Am to Worship. And I asked Tim, I said, Tim, 
how did you come to that line, I'll never know how much it cost? I says, don't you know how much it cost? He said, he stopped for a minute. He go like, what do you mean? I said, you know how much it costs, right? But that's a feel-good line in that song. Everybody, when you get that part, people hit this, like hitting a spot in the song. Yeah, Everybody go like, so. oh, I love it. I said, I can't stand that line. Well, that's the I'm talking that I to him. Because I said, I can't find no way in Scripture to back up what you just wrote. And it's one of the most popular songs out there. And you know what? He was so humble and so, I mean, because that's why come God has blessed him, because he was very teachable. And he said, you know, I really, I really took from that point on, I don't know how his writing is now, but I said, be careful when you're leading people in song. God says, I, I believe it says he cost him his life. And I said, so it, you know, he laid down everything for me. I said, it cost him everything. Yeah. And so I just said, I, I, I'm someone something in my heart telling me I do know how much it costs. So I just can't sing. When I get to that line, I pass over it. I cannot sing this song, Pass Me Not Over General Savior, because he's with me all the time. So that's just, that's just a matter of, you know, like maybe it's a little bit of a nitpicking thing, but I just wanted to make a note. He had the most humble spirit about it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I don't think it's nitpicking because, uh, because we, that, I know maybe we're getting off on a bit of a tangent here, but it's so important for worship leaders to understand this, that uh, it is, we have an, op- an opportunity to uh, uh, give them a picture and a view of God that's accurate. And, and that particular line, I, and Timmy, you're right, he's a humble person, and I'm really glad that he yeah, responded that way because that, was a, that, that line has always bothered me as well. We know exactly what it costs. Um, so, so that is something that, that's an opportunity. We, when we select our songs to select songs that speak of God's character, of his, of his mercy and his grace, those are the things they're going to remember when they leave. And every opportunity we have to speak of God's character in our songs is a wonderful opportunity. And it should be uplifting. I mean, it, it, his characters are always positive. I mean, I say that and I have to think, okay, when's God's character ever not been positive? Well, even in his anger, it's positive because everything in God is good. And everything that he does is good. And everything that he does is perfect and true. And so our songs uh, reflect that. So I know that I, boy, I, I have to use that lens when I'm selecting songs for worship as well. So that's just powerful. Well, I, I think we've said pretty clearly that, that our depth in the word is really going to determine, you know, our, our prophetic ability either to write songs, lead worship. You know, that it's like the nursery out of which comes those expressions. So it's very important. Yes, sir. Sure. Well, the big thing is for me, it's always been what is my view of God, of who God is? Because if my view of God is distorted. And, I, and then, a, and, then and God is trying to birth a song out of me. The song I'm writing is out of that is distorted also, because my view of God is distorted. If I don't see, if I see God as this mean ogre up there, just beating down people and and, and sending condemnation on people, I'm I'm going to write out of that sense because I'm writing with those kind of glasses, with those kind of glasses on. If I see God as a loving heavenly Father, full of grace, mercy, and truth, and 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 a God who is not mad at me, but a God who is mad about me. I see God as that, and I write. You're giving us some song ideas here. You just keep going. That's another one. I got the one with the question. Great. Nobody. Use that one. Well, I'll tell you though, in that light of the wine and the grapes, you know, if we remember the wedding feast, he saved the best wine for last. So maybe we could be hopeful that the best songs have yet to be written for these days.
All right. Uh, Brother Kent, do you have a song story? Is there a song that's real personal to you or just want to share about that? Well, um, I, I, first, I've got to say that I really do feel like I, I'm mere men amongst giants up here. Uh, <laughs> And the first song, one of the first songs I ever wrote that got published, uh, it had a line in it that said, uh, if you had to do it all over again, he'd do it for me. I did consider myself this until I started reading Morris Chapman's stuff. Now I don't consider myself a lyricist anymore. But beforehand, I considered myself, and I made great money doing it because I was a wordsmith. And uh, um, because I, was, I, was, I would approach songwriting um, from a cerebral place. Um, it, was, it was all about saying things the right way. Not, and and I've, I'll admit this, there wasn't always a spiritual aptitude behind it. it was saying things in the right way and then as I developed a relationship with Christ that all changed now I still keep that penchant because that's just who I am but now it's tempered with the Holy Spirit and so everything I do is it, it's not about being catchy but it is about being familiar you said something earlier and I, I love this I love to write a song and have to wonder have I heard this before? I love that. I love the idea of doing that and, and, and going, you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm worried because I couldn't have, you know, I, I know then that that came from God. I know then that the Holy Spirit was involved in that because I'm going, there's no way this came out of me. You know, so, that, so and to be honest with you, it takes the pressure off of it because in God, that's you. That's, you did that. The Holy Spirit gave me that. And, so I don't have to worry about it when it's credited. I always put the Holy Spirit first. So it's, a, it's the collaborative effort, for me at least, comes from a kindred spirit. You know, want, the focus is obviously touching the heart of God. Um, and and so, so hopefully he's listening to his radio and your song comes on and he doesn't, like so many songs, we skip the channel. Mm. So many songs we, you know, you get a CD, he's got 15 songs on it. 13 seconds of that song, skip, 13 seconds, skip, 13 seconds, skip. But I always wanted my songs to be, and I say my songs, but I mean stuff that he, he gives me. I always wanted it to be stuff that he goes, you know, I really want to hear this. I, re I, I really like where this is going. That's good. That's good. We all drink of the same spirit. Amen. You know, um, in collaboration, again, my wife and I write a lot of songs together, and and it was so, it's so, you get to the point to where when you find that right person, that right connection, um, that you'll find that it's something you're working on over here is even in the same key that somebody over here is working on. It's crazy. And uh, I was at a, a conference one, uh, two years ago, and uh, they, it was a, a talk about reigning and ruling and reigning in life. And, and I'm sitting on my front row with my pad. And, and let me tell you, if you're a songwriter or desire to be a songwriter and you don't take a recording instrument or a recorder or a pad with you uh, at 24-7, you're doing yourself an injustice. 
because you never know when a line might come, or you never know when a song might come, or a course might be birthed on the airplane, in the gas station, in Denny's. I take a pad everywhere I go. When I'm at Mexican Inn, I have a pad with me, because you never know. You know, when I'm when I'm at you know, even I have my phone with me close at the Ranger game, because I never know when something's going to come just fall on me. You know. So I was uh, driving back from uh, te- uh, uh, South Texas, and in driving back, hey, brother, in driving back, uh, I was singing, "We will reign, we will reign, to the glory of the Father, giving Him the honor, giving Him the praise." I just sang that for like two hours, and when I got home in the same key, my wife said, "Baby, God gave me a song today," <laughs> and I said, "Well, let me hear," and it was in D minor, and she said. This is our year, dun, 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 our year of purpose, our year of dun, dun, our year of possibility. This is our time. I'm like, mm-hmm. And she stopped. And she goes, don't tell me. You had the rest of it, right? And I said, I do. <laughs> and she said, this is my song first. Or there's something about that. <laughs> but when you get into collaboration like that, you'll find yourself even it's amazing, man. Just in, even in the same key. And when she got to a certain spot, I said, "Stop!" I got it from there on out, and it was just like that. And it was, it was, it happened. So, but, but sure, if, if you're a writer, um, this thing got to follow you everywhere you go, or some uh, on your phone or your iPad, or whatever. That you can top in something because, man, you never know when God's going to drop something, line, two lines, a course in you. And how many times has that happened to you right in the union's room right now? It's happened to you, and you went, oh, I'll write that down later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and about two hours later, you're like, dang, what was that, man? What was that? I forgot about this. Shoot, man. It was something, some grape something, you know, some smashing grapes or something. You know, I mean, you just you don't remember it, you know. So, um this is a good tool to have. And I know I'm old school, but this is a good tool to have. And if you're a writer, that goes with you everywhere you go. That's great. Okay. I even sing in my cell phone. Pick up my cell phone. If I'm on the road someplace, I pick mm-hmm. up my cell phone. Call my house so when I get home, it's wait for me when I get home. Absolutely. I just want to say for the sake of recording, uh, Taylor Pace has joined the distinguished panel. Welcome, sir. Uh, brother... Brother Morris, would you have some thoughts on co-writing or collaboration? Um, I'd like to just talk about one particular song. Um, when I was um, headed to Pittsburgh to be with Bishop, um, I had just received a poem, a series of poems in the mail from Claire Cloninger. Some people don't know, probably don't know who it is. She's, just, she's a lyricist. Um, she doesn't write any music, but she writes lyrics. So I received uh, the lyrics to... Um, uh, Jesus, your name is power on one page, and two other songs on the same page. But anyway, when I was, I had just survived a real bad flight between Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. We couldn't land in Pittsburgh. We actually ended up in Albany, New York, and because Pittsburgh was fogged in that day, so I got to the church in Pittsburgh uh, just before the service started the next day. So. Uh, I missed the, uh, I think it was a New Year's Eve service on, I think it was a Saturday night. Anyway, I got in next day for Sunday morning. I go to the piano. I had the poem in, in my hand. I go up to the piano, and I lay it up on the keyboard, and I just kind of looked at it. And I just started singing off the page. It had no melody, nothing. I just started singing what Claire had wrote. That was the birth of Jesus, your name is power. Wow. Jesus, your name is might. And I got back to my seat, and Bishop said, 
That's beautiful. When you write that, I said, just now. <laughs> so that's just a short. Uh, hit. That was one of those songs that came very quickly. Um, I love writing with her. Uh, I have songs. I probably have a stack of songs this deep at the house that are unfinished. And the reason I handed you that note is because I would love to write with some of these brothers here and give them some of the unfinished things that said, was this ever a good song that God intended to get finished? Can you help me to finish it? Mm -hmm. I, and I put down that would be a joy in getting the songs. I'm, I'm the oldest up here, 75. Who's, who's, who's after me? I'm, I'm 74. 74. Okay. No, <laughs> anyway, I would love before I go to be with the Lord, I would like to get all my songs out of my piano bench and get them finished. <laughs> now, some of them probably be just ideas that I just, you know, they're not probably never finished, but I'm not going to put myself in bunnies trying to finish all of them. But I still like to have some really good songs still at my house that need to be taken care of. Um, I want to encourage you all. I told you about the writing after 40. Uh, I did not like to write with other people because I thought they were my songs. Mm. And so the joy of co-writing has, uh, it's very freeing to write with other people because that's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like worshiping together. You know, just, they have an idea to bring it together and, and finish it. It's wonderful. So in the, the reconciliation song from Promise Keepers, six writers, one song. Only three names on the final finish, but Francis Frangipane, Bishop Joseph Gollington, and my son Kevin's name is not on that song, but they all three contributed to the final of that song. So that was actually six people contributed to one song for Promise Keepers. It's called the Reconciliation Song. Wow. We called Bishop and asked him if the song was theologically sound. That was feedback for the song. That made him a co-writer. But his name didn't make the song. Incredible, isn't it? But I mean, but we wanted to have, we want to make sure that song was right on. We got a line out of Francis Frangipane's book. The, the line, um, let us build on one foundation, that came right out of Francis' book. So that we borrowed it from his book. Is it okay to use it? He says, please do, finish it. So, and my son gave us scripture after scripture that line up, that, that, that ended in that song. My son, Kevin, is not a songwriter, but he gave us many scriptures that lined up with the song. So we actually six writers on one song. Uh, very quickly, Bethlehem Morning is still a great mystery to me how God ever gave me that song. It took me three years to finish it. Mm. Family prayer song took me three minutes. What was it? What was it? What did God show me in, in those three years? It took to finish. I was trying to write it from my head, mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. What is this? Instead of just listening. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to the voice of God, and, and even though the, the line might be very mysterious, write it down. Mm -hmm. and if, if it's theologically wrong and not sound, you'll know. Because when you're singing, you just have a check in your spirit. No, I need to go back and change that. And so if you hear some of the, if you could look at Bethlehem Morning and look at some of the corny lines that was in that song, it was awful. <laughs> so it took me three years to tell you what changed it. I sat down, I sat down in my house. Pastor comes by to visit. He said, you still working on the song? I said, yes, sir. He said, what is your, Bible, what is your biblical verse or chapter that you're using for that song? I said, Isaiah 9. I picked up the King James, and I found the second line of the song in Isaiah 9. His hand is stretched out still. I wrote that down, and the song was finished in a matter of minutes. Wow. But it took me three years to find it. It's when I confessed and repented that I was, Father, forgive me for writing for the charts and not for hearts. <laughs> that was my prayer. <laughs> and, I, and then the song got finished with him, just like that. Okay. Mm. I love that. I'm writing for charts, not for hearts. Mm.
Trying to figure it out. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, Mr. Clarence. Um, yeah, I love this subject about coming together and collaborating. Um, uh, a scripture that Bishop Gardington uses, and I'm, I'm representing Bishop Gardington, so I'm going to be quoting a lot of him. And because so when he hears this tape, he knows that. Did your job. <laughs> did my job. Okay, Isaiah, Isaiah 65, verse 8 says, The new wine is found in the cluster. I'm talking a lot about wine today. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new, wine, the new wine is found in the cluster. And what that, what that means to try to unpack that is that there is, um, uh, when, you bring all, when you bring the grapes to get together, of course, Ooh, we talked good. about the crushing process. But, but that's how, you can't make grape out of, I, I've never, you can't make wine out of one grape. It takes a lot of grapes to make wine. And, and sometimes there's a, Bishop talks about this anointing called a cluster anointing. There, there's, 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 there's more that we can do together than we can ever do separately. Mm-hmm. So there's something, it's, it's sort of like in the band, I'm sure, because all of us play in bands. Uh, a drummer can do a lot, but a drummer can't do what the bass player can do. Mm-hmm. And can't do what a keyboard player can do. The hand, the hand was it, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says one part of the body can't say to the other, I have no need of you. And actually we do need each other because there's a dynamic that happens when we come together. It's sort of like uh, jazz bands. When they come together, they may not have an idea of where they're going, but when the bass, when the bass player goes, doo, 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 and the drummer starts playing something, then the keyboard player hears something he didn't hear before. Mm-hmm. And he's playing, and now the sax player is hearing a melody. And he's going for it. Before you, before you know it, you have this wonderful sound. Um, if you've ever been to hear a symphony, it's wonderful. And the word symphoneo is a Greek word that refers to, about, to all these different parts coming together. And what you hear, even though you do hear bassoons and you hear the kettle drums play and you hear the saxophone section uh, and cymbals crashing, but you actually hear one sound. It's one sound that comes out of that. So sometimes in the writing of a song, it's great to have four or five people coming together and doing that. In, in Amos, it talks about in the third chapter, it says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it. How can two write together except they be agreed? Right. So there's an agreement there. Uh, Bishop and I, I, I had the awesome privilege of, of writing with Bishop. And uh, our writing style is so unique because... Uh, it's not that we, we get together at a Starbucks and we sit down and go, okay, let's write a song. What, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, the songs that God has allowed us to birth over the years, they come out of being in God's presence. And uh, uh, we heard it said by another pastor that the most creative place in the universe is the church, is the sanctuary of the church. Because mm-hmm. when the power of God falls, it's, it's, it's the spirit of creativity that allows you to create in that moment. So many times in, in, the, in a service, in a regular service, Bishop is ministering, and I'm just playing behind him, uh, as we were talking earlier. And all of a sudden, a, a prophetic song is birthed. Yep. And uh, the Lord will allow us to capture that song, and then maybe go back later and, and just refine the song. Uh, Bishop, Bishop, Bishop had, a, had a new recording that just came out last year, and uh, I think three or four of the songs on that recording were songs that were birthed out of just being in God's presence. All of a sudden, the Lord gives him a, gives him a melody. He starts giving me chords. Before you know it, we've got a, we've got a song, we go, and we just go back and we find it. Um, uh, Psalm 133 talks about uh, it's a good and pleasant thing for brothers to dwell together in unity. But I love the end of this. And, it, and I think it pertains a lot even to writing songs. The end of it says, For God commands the blessing, 
even life forevermore. So where there's unity, there's life. I want you to say that. Say where there's unity, there's life. So when you've got a, a group of people on the united front writing a song, the end of that is life. It's going to be life-giving to each of the members of that team, of course, but it's going to be even. It's going to be life-giving to every everyone who hears it. And there's something. And 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 the part. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a quotation that talks about the part we. The part uh, the, the, talks about the part we play. I can't. I can't remember how, how it's said. Uh, uh, in other words, we're we're the part we the, the part we're part of is big. And we play a part in that. I just can't remember how. I just can't remember how the quote is. It, it, when it comes to me, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back at you. Okay. But, it's, but the part of the whole is, is, is much bigger than the part we play. It's something like that. The part of the whole, the whole production, is much bigger than the part we play. So you may say you have a small part, but that small part is still important. It's still important. We say at our, at, back at church, um, we, we have a 50-piece uh, choir, and we have a full rhythm section and horns and so forth like that. It's just as important that the alto singer in the second row shows up and sings with us as, is, as the drummer. Mm-hmm. Because even without that alto singer, it's still not the whole. Mm-hmm. The, whole the, the whole band, the, the, whole, the whole choir is not complete unless, unless that alto singer that's in the second row shows up. So, so th- there's a part that we play. It may look like a, a small part, but it's a very important part. If, if any of you uh, were, to, were to have your, uh, your little toe cut off, you would recognize how important that little toe was. Yeah. 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 I heard somebody say it's a pinky toe, but if you're black, it can't be pink. Pinky. <laughs> 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 You know, as uh, as songwriters, we're called to draw upon deep wells of creativity and inspiration. And maybe some of you guys would like to share. Uh, you know, where where do you go to draw inspiration uh, and creativity? I know a lot of this has already been said in God's presence. It's got to be number one. You know, but but what other things, Brother Shake? You know, we live in a, especially now, we live in this this climate that's called faith, the word of faith, faith movement. And, and so I'm, I'm awful, often careful uh, to discuss song, some of the songs I write because they've come out of some places that were relatively dark. Um, the song that I wrote in a while back, it's actually been doing really well, but it was written out of a, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. A song called Medicine for Someone Else. And I wrote it um, after coming out of the hospital, being in the hospital for nine months, and then going through rehab for a year, trying to learn how to walk and feed myself and function. While all this is going on, I was going through a divorce. Um, right before I got sick, I lost pretty much everything I owned in the fire. So it was just storm after storm after storm. And I remember laying in the hospital um, thinking to myself, some good has to come out of this. Something has to come out of this. Because that's all I could think is just I don't have anything. And uh, I remember thinking that this song is whatever it is, it's going to be something that's going to bless people and help them 
and those as a result of what I've gone through. And so I started writing, take the trials that you've gone through and all the times life made you blue. Search down deep within yourself and make it medicine for someone else. The, the, the idea was that I've gone through this stuff, yeah, but my going through it uh, is to bless someone else. And my pastor used to, at home, which Pastor Allen's my pastor now, but my, my father in the ministry sometimes would, would, when I would get up on Sunday mornings, and this is shortly ha- after having been in the hospital, and he would say, uh, he would call me, sometimes call me Job, and because uh, he likened my experience to that of Job. And what I love about that is that if you look at the book of Job in the front of the, Job, front of the book, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I love to share this, but there's a meeting taking place in heaven, and Satan himself walks in. And God says to Satan, again, I'm paraphrasing, what you been up to? Satan says, I've been roaming to and fro, seeking whom I may devour. And it's apparent at that point that he hasn't necessarily found his ideal target. Or he hasn't found, he's still, he's seeking whom he may devour. God says, have you considered my servant Job? Job's going along, minding his business, you know, life's good. You know, everything's swell, it's wonderful. And God puts him in, and and then, then Satan admits, well, listen, I know who Job is, but you've got a hedge around him. The point I'm making is God saw Job worthy to go through that suffering. He saw, God saw Job as one who would never turn from me, who would never, never, the things that you think he's going to do, he's going to love me no matter what because I found him to be righteous. And I love the idea of our suffering not being wasted. It's not squandered. We didn't, I, I didn't go through that because it was just going through it. But God found me worthy to go through it. So in that, I wrote uh, medicine for someone else so that you, hopefully people will look at what they're going through in their lives and apply that same thing that was meant to take you out. Apply it as a cure. Uh, you know, when you, it's often said that when you get a flu shot, you get actually injected with the flu so that your body learns how to fight. Or when you get bit by a snake, they take the very same venom that's destroying you, and that's what they create the anti-venom from. Well, the the, the point of medicine is to take the poison, to take the things, the pain, all the stuff that life and the enemy and we ourselves put on ourselves and turn it into something that not only heals you, but causes other people to to be healed. So, that's the, that's, that's, that's a trial that's been turned into praise. Amen. You know, and when the woman broke the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet, the disciples yeah. said, "Look at this waste. You know, yeah. Why this waste? This could have been used to feed the poor." Of course, Jesus said, "This is precious to me," mm-hmm. and, and she's anointed me. For my burial and you know one person's act of worship is a testament for all generations amen. so amen. it's never a waste amen yeah.
I mean, let me real quickly, you know, just I'm so moved by, you know, Sheikh's testimony and, and all of us. But I mean, you can tell that songs come from a different era and different different place in everybody's life. You know, um, we in my class today, we were in Luke chapter four, um, verse one. It talks about how Jesus went to the desert full of the Holy Spirit. And he was in the desert for 40 days. You know the story. And the Bible says that he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went full of the Holy Spirit, but came back in the power. So sometimes the wilderness is not that bad. Okay? Sometimes being lost for 40 days and wandering around doing, you know, in, in, in temptation or being out in a wilderness of your life. To leave full of the Holy Ghost and to come back in the power. Sometimes the wilderness is not all that bad. Because what will happen is during those times, God will do something in you. Okay? Uh, most, some of you know, um, uh, 10 years ago, my wife lost her husband in a plane crash. He was 34 years old. They were youth pastoring. And they were youth pastoring in a spirit-filled church, doing the will of God. I mean, moving on. They had a word from God. They moved to this church from another church. And, it, you know, the, God gave them a word. And they moved there in six months. And one week later, he's dead as a rock. Okay? So that will rock your theology if you're not grounded. And in about three months after that, she went to the piano. And she began to write a song called All My Life. All my life I give. With my hands, I'll serve you. With my voice, I'll sing your praise and glorify your name all my life. See, sometimes you don't know what's in you until it's just, man, I'm this great thing that's got me going, man. Sometimes you don't know what's in you until you are pressed to the absolute bottom. Thank you, God. And when you're pressed to the bottom, listen to me, what's in you is going to come squirting out of there. Okay? What's in you is going to come bleeding out of there. And sometimes, and, and sometimes, I, I heard Dr. John Osteen say this years ago, if you put the word in you when you don't need it, it'll be there when you need it. <laughs> and we've been through some have we, we, I mean sometimes sometimes people look at worship leaders and ministers and think man they just live in you know they live they live carefully your lives you know what I'm saying that's if you only knew right but sometimes it's just so beautiful you know to watch what God makes beauty out of ashes it's beautiful to see what comes out of you in the moments when you think you cannot take another breath, it is amazing to see when all you have is to lean on Jesus and say, God, what are you going to do? Because without you, I ain't, you know, never should have made it. That's me. <laughs> okay. But at, the, at the end of the day, if you're in tune and you stay hooked into the word, in the beginning was the word. And you stay hooked into the word. When that's happening around you, it is amazing what can be produced out of those type of situations. So. Amen. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up in a few minutes. We've got a few minutes left, so I just want to open it up to whatever the Lord is, is pricking your hearts with. Um, I just want to make, remember I was struggling with that quotation. So just to put it over the air, the quotation is, the thing that I am a part of is bigger than the part I play. Mm. That's the quotation. The thing that I am a part of is bigger than the part I play. Mm. When we were 
were talking about. The, uh, get, get, get Taylor in here. He's been sitting back here not saying nothing. You know. Well, since <laughs> I am just the newbie. By, right. By far the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> He's a baby. <laughs> It's only fitting for me to sit back and listen. Um, uh, and I guess what I have to say, there's so much kind of that I've learned in the short time that I uh, have sat here and listened. Um, as far as songwriting goes, for me personally, I feel I try not to, which, which is, I guess is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of following the footsteps of, of Papa Morse. <laughs> I try not to uh, get in the way. I try not to overthink it. I just try to Good just word. let it be. Good word. Yeah, I just try to let whatever comes out. That's that's what's coming at, at that time, you know. And I try not to stay married to try to try not to stay married to whatever I write or whatever I do. Um, I, I come from a jazz background, so uh, jazz is really um, in the moment, right? And so I try to live and I try to write in the moment. So if I'm or record in the moment, if I record something, I'm really thinking for that moment. Tomorrow I might not, I might not like it, but whatever. At that moment, that is what was happening. So I just try to let be led and 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 uh, just be inspired by God in the moment. There was a song that I did with Shake and Lloyd, um, where I was driving down the street. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, we were coming to write. Yeah. Chick said, yeah. "Let's come in. We need to write some songs for this project that we're doing." And uh, as I was driving to Grand Bay, I was just looking around, and then I just saw uh, I was uh, I saw the sunset. It was kind of evening, and the sun was coming down, and the, the grass it just everything looked so surreal. And I just came up with the phrase, "You are the living word," and uh, and I just kept saying, "You are, you are, you are." And I was, as I was looking at the things, because I was just. I was so amazed at that moment by everything that God was. I mean, just, you know, the, the, the tiniest insects and, and how that was in harmony with uh, the trees and how that was in harmony with the landscape and how, how everything was just, it was just, you know, it was that moment, though. I feel like that is my, that's kind of how I, I'm inspired by moments in life. I feel like everything, everything is, comes down to a moment. We spend lifetimes chasing moments. Mm -hmm. You know, we um, everything that we do, we, we we rehearse and we get together and we practice and we learn. And we do all these things, but it's all trying to capture or trying to get to a moment. Mm -hmm. You know, just trying to experience a moment. If I could just have a moment with God, you yeah. know, yeah. that's what it comes down to. So I just I try to write and live in that in that vein. That's my two cents. That's, that's the closest that's that we get to eternity, right? Yeah. Right here is the closest that we get to eternity, right? This this right. moment right, right. now, because we don't know about the future and the past is gone. So Let me, can I say yeah. one more thing? I know I'm I'm y'all looking at me like I wish the guy would shut up. Um, nope. You know, sometimes when you write songs, you just and these guys will say, you know, sometimes you're just like, man, is that enough? Is that enough? I got to write more. Okay, got to be more than that. Got to be more than two lines. Got to be more than that. Got to be more than that. Okay, all right. There's a song written that everybody in this room knows called Hallelujah. That's one hawking word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Memorable song. <laughs> and then, now, and then, then later on in life, you know, us worship leaders got bored and we started writing other verses to it. You know? 
we started writing, Lord, we praise you, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But at the beginning, that song was... Just one word. Uh, we're talking one word. You've heard of the song, you know, you've heard the people say, that's a three-chord wonder. Okay, Our God reigns, in the course of that song, is a three-word wonder. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Thank God He didn't change it. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And you say what? Sing it again. Our God reigns. All right. So it's it's not the the number of of lyrics or words or lines or whatever. Sometimes it could be a line or two, and that's it. Sometimes that's all she, that's that's all she's going to write, and it's all she wrote at the time. All right. So don't be caught under the pressure of, and I got to have. You know, 3,600 words in this thing, man. Sometimes it could be simple, but uh, a lot of times simple is better. Simple. But simple is sometimes not easy. So just be careful and, and just write what God gives you. It could be a word or two or a line and be happy with it. If I, if I can just say, the whole, I, th I think we all agree that there are no hard and fast rules to, yeah. to writing. It's hearing God and what the Holy Spirit is saying through you, and that's what you try to capture. Um, there have been songs, that, you know, I've, I've been myself a little dismayed with the state of songwriting sometimes in worship. But I've, I had to, at one point, ask myself, am I just becoming fleshly or am I really concerned about it? And, and it, I think it's a genuine place of, of uh, concern for me because um, there was a point when every worship song was a three or four word song. And the chords were all the same. Mm -hmm. One, four, six minor with a three minor, and that was it. And if you're lucky, yeah. And that happened for a long, long time till, to the point that, because one of the things uh, Papa Morris was talking about earlier today was the state of radio and Christian music and contemporary Christian music. And it's gotten really bad because it's gotten to where one group sounds like, it's, if you hear one song you've heard, Every last song that they're playing on the radio, just none. And so to me, God is a God of excellence. And if that's so, then there's nothing wrong with having your songs be a little deeper than just mimicking the latest Delirious hit or the latest Casting Crowns hit or the latest. And I always say that because to me, what's simple to you can be complex to another person. And what's complex to another person can be really simple. It, you know, Taylor can play, he can play chords that I can't even hear. Because they'll have the, the clusters and then they'll have this. And it's amazing because he can, he can move them. Me, I can play a sus2, you know, and a major chord. And I work with what I have. But I have n nothing but appreciation for what he can play. And I think that in the in the the danger of anything we do in church is when we start comparing what we do one to another. You're supposed to have your you're supposed to have your Richard Smallwoods who write amazingly ornate pieces. And you're supposed to have your Matthew Redmonds who are kind of confined to one or two chords. You're supposed to have that. Because that's what makes the body the body. Um, if I'm a toe and you're the brain, 
I can hurt you really bad if I get stumped against, you know what I'm saying? Your, your brain is going to know pain really, really well. So one has, and, and pastor, my pastor at home, again, I'll use him again. Um, he preached one time, um, and please forgive this, but he said, you need a butthole. You need every part of your body. You need a butthole. Somebody has to be the butthole. <laughs> just broke the ice now. Oh, boy. In, now, listen. <laughs> That's a, uh, now you can listen. I know that can go any any number of ways, and it's not meant to be that. But the bottom line is, clog one up and see how far you get. Oh my God! So there there are there are. <laughs> Somebody's going to chew all that later on, too. You get that on the way home. But, but the point, yeah, okay. Okay, that's enough. Stop having fun. The, the reality is this. Um, Scott wrote, Take My Life. And I have been singing that song long before I knew him. Morris wrote, I Will Restore. And that song... Every time I hear it, 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 it makes me remember. Correction. Ricky Johnson. Ricky, okay. He, the deliberate alcoholic wrote that. Whew. And I just, he wrote it, and I just, it sustained my song, but I didn't write that. Okay. And it's, it's, people identify with me, but Ricky Johnson from Atlanta wrote that. Brother who was an alcoholic broke that. Brother who was an alcoholic. He's no longer alcoholic. See, yeah. Isn't that a powerful statement? Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. that's that's. Yeah. I want to make sure you his name. Yeah, Say his name again. Ricky Johnson. Ricky Johnson. From, uh, well, I've always given you credit for it, well, so no. I'll, I know I'll now too. But I'm a song carrier on that one, but not the songwriter. Okay. Songwriter, song carrier, song receiver. Song receiver. I'm the carrier of that song. Didn't write that. Well, I, I say I say this. You wrote River of Joy, and we'd hear that at the Believers' Convention every year, not knowing that you wrote it. I'd hear them singing it, Kenneth Copeland and everybody singing it, not knowing that you wrote it. The, the point I'm making is, if, if I asked each one of you to give me a song, and Clarence or Taylor, if I asked you to give me a song, and, and everybody went to a different room, you would, there's, you would not come in with the same song. And... Some of it, no matter what we tried to do, wouldn't fit. But you know what? There's a place for it in the body. There's a place for those messages in the body. Some songs lament, you know, and you have to have lament. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. You have to have it. Well, you get people on this kick, you know, they don't want to hear that. That's not where God is. Yes, he is. God is everywhere. He's never changing. So there's a place for lamentations. There's a place for exaltations. There's a place where you are asking literally, Father, how can I sing in this strange land? And it's not just Egypt anymore. This strange land could be your life. It could be your circumstance. It could be your marriage. How can I sing when I'm in a rough place in my marriage, how can I sing when my children hate me and they tell me they hate me? Well, you sing out of that place that God allows you to, to go to 
to be healed. And that's often where we write from. You, you know, you're not always going to write from, you know, I, I was, you know, I've been in churches where they want everything to be happy, happy, joy, joy. I don't care what it is. Happy, we're going to ignore the, well, I'm not paying attention to that. I'm not, well, when you went out, I saw you cuss because, you, you know, something happened that you didn't like. But you're not going to, you here, all of a sudden, you're not going to acknowledge that. I think that we've done a disservice to the church not to be clear and to be honest about everything. The body needs to hear the truth all the way. It shouldn't be one type of thing. It should, you know, kids need to know your story, and you need to know theirs. And you also need to know that things are changing. That's what songwriting does. Is it points to where things are going. I don't write what a 20-year-old writes anymore. I certainly don't write what a, what a 15-year-old and 10-year-old writes anymore. But I need to know where they are, and they need to know where I am. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when it's, it's all one way. It, we need to be open as songwriters, but more importantly, as worshipers, to everything that God is saying, period. Amen. Well, we appreciate you, gentlemen. We appreciate the wisdom and what's been imparted into you. And, and uh, I think this is going to be a recording worth getting. There's a lot on this. And I know there's a lot more that could be uh, released. Maybe that will come at, a, at another time, another place. Mm-hmm. So let's just seal this. Uh, let's just say a prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, you are the singer and the song. Sing your song through us. You are making all things new. And would you just sing your songs of restoration through your church, Lord, in a way uh, that will change the earth. Would you release an impartation, Lord, into your minstrels, into your kingdom psalmists. Lord, even those that are uh, hidden away, Lord, you know them. You know where they're at. And Lord, out of the middle of nowhere can come something can be birthed something that changes nations. And so we are expectant in this season of Pentecost for that best wine that you're wanting to pour out in these last days. We thank you, Lord, for these lives, for these ministries, and we ask your blessing on each of these gentlemen, Lord, that you would continue to pour out fresh wine. In Jesus' name, amen.